the birth of Jesus Christ happened like this. When Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together as husband and wife, she was discovered to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph, being a righteous man, determined to break off the engagement quietly so Mary would not be exposed to public disgrace. But while he was trying to figure out what to do, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this happened to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. Watch for this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, which was a period of 40 days, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Few things in life are more difficult than waiting. One wise sage once said that the great vocation, waiting is the great vocation of the dispossessed. It's because waiting is often said in that sad context of longing without possessing. Think of Noah. Noah had to wait over a hundred years for the promised flood. And Job body racked with pain, praying for deliverance, asking God for healing, but relief was elusive. Or Hannah, barren for many years, wanting to be a mother, cried in agony, Lord, give me children or I die. And just the other day, I saw a layman by the pool of Bethesda waiting for the healing waters to be stirred. Longing? without possessing. Waiting is not for the weak. We read in the Psalms, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Implied, silence the groaning of your soul. Put away the doubts and fears and wait patiently for the Lord to show up. Patience is not the ability to wait, Patience is the ability to wait with a good attitude. And waiting, waiting's hard work. 
I suppose as you notice my age, you might think uh, he knows something about waiting, and you would be right. And I have this staff to prove it. This staff is a trusted friend that I lean upon through the advancing years of life. It has a lot of good purposes. Uh, I can fight off animals as they're attacking me, fend off women who are pursuing me, <laughs> although that's never happened. But this stick, it reminds me that my time is almost done. The patriarch Jacob leaned upon his staff, then he blessed his children and died. This staff reminds me that after many years of waiting, I still feel dispossessed. And what am I waiting for? I'm waiting for what every Hebrew person is waiting for. There, there's a common Jewish prayer that starts off every day. May I see the consolation of Israel. It's a prayer of longing for Messiah to come and to comfort us in the midst of all of our sorrows and deliver us from all our enemies. May I see the consolation of Israel. Let me tell you my story of waiting for God to show up. I was an enthusiastic student of the scriptures. I, I loved reading the writings of Moses, reveled in the beautiful poetry of the Psalms. I was stirred by the mighty words of the prophets. The holy words of scripture were my daily feast, and I could say with Job, I've esteemed the words of his mouth as more important than my necessary food. Now, if you study the scriptures, you will soon find out that they are filled with messianic promises. Like in the Torah, Genesis, as Jacob was blessing his 12 sons, he said to Judah, the scepter will not depart out of Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs, until Shiloh comes, and unto him will the gathering of the people be. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet just like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him. Isaiah adds, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon David's throne and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice and judgment from this time forth even forever, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then I think of Micah who said, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are little among all the clans of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth who will be the ruler, the shepherd over my people Israel. His origins have been from old, even from everlasting. Oh, the scriptures told us that he was going to come, but they didn't tell us when he was going to come. And some of those prophecies seem to be contradictory, at least in my mind. 
he would come from Judah and Bethlehem, yet another prophet says he shall be called a Nazarene. Judah's in the south, Nazareth in the Galilee of the north. How could that be? One prophet says that Messiah is going to trample under his feet all of his enemies. And yet another prophet says he will know great suffering, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I rack my brain to somehow understand how these things could be harmonized. I pleaded my ignorance before the throne of grace, asking for light. My name Simeon means one who hears, and I long to hear from God, but nothing. Silence. So I kept praying. May I see the consolation of Israel. And I kept waiting. But the days turned into weeks, and the weeks turned into months. The months turned into years, and the year, years turned me into an old man who leans upon a stick. I feel dispossessed. And in my lament, I cried out, Oh, Lord, how long must your servant wait? When will you punish your persecutors? Deliver us. Deliver us from our bondage and gather us unto yourself. Things were not good in Jerusalem. Imperial Rome, the mightiest power in the world, was an occupying force in our city. Those who had power over us held very different views from us. And that created turmoil in society, unrest, rioting, anger. Even the people of God, the Hebrew people, they were indifferent to the laws of God, not leaning upon his truth and looking for his ways. And I was convinced the only hope for our nation was that Messiah would come and save us from this mess. And so... I was waiting patiently. But that begs the question, how, how does one wait patiently? Well, there are at least two things involved. Number one, the, the scriptures that offer us hope also hold us up until that hope is realized. There is inherent power in the Holy Scriptures to give strength to those who believe and obey. I'm convinced that God intentionally delays the fulfilling of many of his promises so that he can strengthen his people in the midst of their trials as they trust upon the word of God. And so, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits for the Lord, and in his word do I hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchman watch for the morning. I wait with a certainty of the coming dawn. So we must wait in the hope of the promises of Scripture, the strength of the Scripture, and we must wait for the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was on me, not because of anything I had done, but by His pure grace. He was with me as my companion. He 
instructed me as a teacher. He led me as my Lord. I lean more upon the Holy Spirit than, than I lean upon this staff. And he was there guiding and giving me strength every day. In fact, you cannot follow the Lord completely unless you are filled with the Spirit continually. And so, empowered by the Holy Spirit, encouraged by the holy promises of God's word, I waited. And then one day, blessed day, God showed up. He spoke to me in a message that I could not ignore or misunderstand. Was it a vision? Was it a dream? I don't know, but his words were clear and convincing. And he said to me, you will not die until you see the Lord's Messiah. I was stunned, speechless. I, the ancient prophecies were going to be fulfilled for me in my lifetime. And that's not going to be very long, so the prophecies must, it must happen very soon, quickly. I will see. I will see God's Messiah. And my soul was filled beyond belief, filled with joy. So I started watching. You can imagine. Every face and every place intrigued me. As I walked down the streets of Jerusalem, I would say, could that be him? Or, or maybe that's him. When I bought my food in the marketplace or, or gathered with friends by the pool of Siloam, I thought, is he here? But how do I know? I don't know. Is Messiah going to be a strong, young warrior type who will put down all of our enemies? Or could it be an older man of wisdom and of years? I did not know, but... Every day was an exciting adventure. And just like that day when God told me I would not die until I saw the Messiah, as that was amazing and exciting, so was the day when he said to me, go to the temple. Now, the temple in Jerusalem is a magnificent structure, towering over everything else in the city. It's white walls outlined in gold, gleaming in the bright sun of the Middle Eastern sky. On either side of the temple are these spacious gathering places called courtyards. And when I arrived, the courtyards were filled with people and bursting with life. You might see a rabbi lecturing his students in one corner and someone selling their wares in another. People selling animals for the sacrifices. The money changers taking common currency and turning it into the special temple tax of a half shekel. Friends getting reacquainted. Families holding reunions. Parents dedicating their children. I tell you, the temple atmosphere was dynamic. And I, as I walked through the crowd, greeting friends and gazing at faces... God the Spirit said to me, there he is. I turned to look, and there was a young couple, very young, 
holding a baby that was only weeks old. And God said to me, that baby is my Messiah. I hurried over to them filled with joy, going as quickly as my weak knees would allow. When I finally got to them, I asked if I could hold the child. The mother was reluctant, but the father nodded with approval. And I took the baby into my arms. I was holding God's Messiah, looking into the face of Israel's consolation. Then God gave me these words. Sovereign Lord, now dismiss your servant in peace, just as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation, the Savior that you have prepared in front of all people. He is the light that will shine truth on the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. The couple marveled at the words that God spoke through me. They were astonished when they heard what would happen, what their baby boy would accomplish. I blessed them, and they blessed God. I blessed them and said to the mother, your child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. He will raise up a standard that Many will attack, and by doing so, the secrets of their hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. At that very moment, a prophetess, Anna, came up. She lives in one of the houses there in the temple, never leaves the premises, praying and fasting day and night and worshiping all of the time. She came up and gave thanks to God, and spoke about the child to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. The couple told me their story, incredible story. Her name was Mary, his name Joseph, and they gave the name of Jesus to the little baby. It's the name that the angels gave to them before Mary ever conceived. You see, angels visited both of them, first to Mary, saying, you are highly favored, and you are with child. When Joseph found out about that, he was not very happy. He didn't believe he was going to divorce Mary until an angel appeared to him and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and You are to give him the name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God has shown up. They told me about their story to Bethlehem moved there because of the Roman census, the census that is still going on, by the way, to the consternation of all our people. And when they arrived to the city, it was 
Overflowing with guests, they found no lodging. Even their own relatives were unwilling to take them in. So they spent a night where the animals stay. And the baby was born in a barn. I didn't see that coming. Later that night, shepherds came, Mary told us. They were out in the fields, and angels visited them and talked about the Savior born for all men and where to find him in the village. And they came in a hurry, and just as the angels said, they found Mary and Joseph and the very first ones to worship the baby were these shepherds. You know, I heard a rumor about five weeks ago about some unusual bright lights in the Shepherd Hills outside of Bethlehem, and no one knew what it was. God has come to earth. It is, isn't it amazing how the, the story, all the predictions came true from the tribe of Judah and the village of Bethlehem. He shall be called a Nazarene because that's where Mary and Joseph are from, the little village of Nazareth. And they indicated to me that they plan to go back sometime and raise Jesus there. That a virgin would give birth to a son who would be God in the flesh. And then they left. My heart was filled with great peace, especially when I took into my arms the Prince of Peace, as Isaiah called him. He is the light to shine truth to all the nations. He is the glory of Israel and the Savior for the world, and he has come in our time. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, and I cradled him in my own arms. Oh, I had great peace personally, but I felt great pain for that young mother Mary. A sword will pierce your soul too, is what God said. Then I thought about it. In the Psalms, Messiah says... They pierced my hands and my feet. Maybe that's when Mary's soul is pierced. Because there is no anguish like the anguish, uh, anguish of a mother who must watch her children suffer. Now, Mary and Joseph are going to have a hard time of it. And what have I learned from all of this? Well, I've, I've learned that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. I've learned that Jesus is God in the flesh. I've learned that he is the one who determines your destiny, whether you rise or fall forever. I've learned that God is worthy of praise. I, I learned that my job is done. My waiting is over. And because he has come, I can go. So what about you? Have you taken the Prince of Peace into your arms, metaphorically speaking? Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? What are you waiting for? He has come to be your Savior. If you reject him, you will stumble and fall into judgment that never ends. 
if you receive him, you will rise to life that lasts forever. What this world needs right now more than anything else is a hand let down from heaven to lift them up. And this God has done in the person of his son, Jesus. So I hope that you will see the Savior, the Messiah, before you die. Well, I can die now a contented man. I'm at peace because I have seen the Savior, just as God promised. I'm at peace and I'm free to go. Nothing holding me back now. This world has lost its charm. Death has lost its terror. And I can go. My old faithful friend... Where I'm going, they don't use these. Glory to God in the highest.